but it was fun. And uh, God is good. So um, I just feel um, tonight, I, I feel a word in my heart. And, uh, you know, November is a significant season for us. And I believe um, personally, but corporately as resurgence, we celebrated five years, uh, October 30th, five years of since we started. And, uh, and so last weekend, we held 51 hours of nonstop worship. It was supposed to be 50, went into overtime to 51. And uh, God showed up, and there was just something happening. There's just, just the Spirit was moving. God was there. And, and I just, I, I sense that we're on the edge of it all. There's such an excitement. There's something that's just, and, and I wrestled uh, with the word that I'm going to share for the last three, four days. Just going, okay, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to share? And I just really feel that this is a, just a real timely word. Um, I'm reminded that, you know, revival came 2,000 years ago, but uh, then Jesus filled us with the Spirit then, and He says, okay, you go, and because out of you flows rivers of living water. And so wherever you go, there's revival. And I believe, though, we are, we are embracing, we are, we are stepping into an awakening, a revival, a something. I don't know what it's called, but I want it. And, and God is doing something in our cities. God doing something through us. And uh, three weeks ago, God gave me a word uh, on, on the dream involves you. And I preached it at City Center Church. And how many people heard me speak that? Not too many, I don't think. But yeah, there's a few things that I just, I'm going to touch on that. And that's going to be really the springboard for what I believe he wants to say tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read in Luke 5, verse 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, of Gernesat, the people were crowding around him. They were listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He, get, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Ten, and it had taken, verse ten. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. And there's four things that God wants to remind us from the story. And the first one is that the dream involves you. Peter's a normal guy. Peter's a normal fisherman. He's not famous. He has a normal job. But Jesus, the Son of God, the Alpha, the Omega, he's he's man, he's God, he's he's, he's there. And, I mean, Jesus, B.C. is going to be named after him. A.D., like time and history is going to be. I mean, he's coming to change everything. And Jesus chooses his boat. Jesus, Jesus chooses to get in Simon Peter's boat. And, and, and so there's people pressing him on the shore, and, and Jesus picks that boat. See, I believe that the greatest dream we could ever realize is that we're part of God's plan. That God has a purpose, God has a plan for every person in this room, and Jesus picks our boat. No matter what you've gone through, no matter our past, no matter anything around, Jesus picks your boat. And you need to know that the dream of God involves you. That the dream of God involves us. For God so loved the world, He gave His only one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Number two, uh, you have a dream. See, there's more to the purpose of our life than just having Jesus in our boat. See, there's salvation and Jesus comes and it's great. He chooses our boat. But Jesus says to Simon Peter, he goes, um, after he begins speaking and everything, he goes, hey, um, Simon Peter, let's, let's, let's take the boat out deeper. Let's go, let's go and go fishing. Let's go and do something together. 
And I believe that, that God has a purpose, He has a plan, He has a dream, He has a destiny for each one of us. You have a dream. God has given you a dream. God has put something inside of you that only you can fulfill, and He's waiting for you to do it. He, 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 they didn't just stay in the shallow, but He said, okay, let's go into the deep. And God calls us to go into the deep. We have a dream. We have a dream. He wants to remind us of that. It's more than just having a job, having two kids, having a nice house. It's more than just having Jesus in her boat. There is, there is a calling, there is a purpose for each of our lives. God wants us to, to figure what that is out. He wants to reveal that. Number three is the dream is a call to faith. And the reality is, is that um, Simon Peter's the fisherman. He knows that you don't catch fish in the middle of the day. You don't, you don't do that. And Jesus says, okay, put down the nets. Okay, Jesus, I know you're like famous. I know you're all over social media and Instagram. Everyone thinks you're great. But I'm a fisherman. You're not. And I know we're not going to catch fish. This is dumb. This is not going to happen. But the word says this. But because you say so, I will let down the net. See, when God puts a dream on our hearts, it's, there's a call to faith in that dream. There's a call to faith. There's a call to saying, because you say so, God, it doesn't make logical, analytical, any kind of sense in my, in my mind, but because you say so, I'm going to let down the net. And there's a faith component. Faith is this crazy call to step out, to take a leap, to do something that just doesn't make sense. It's crazy. And, and in this season of resurgence, we're in a crazy faith leap you know, all of this, and just, and I've been just like, this is what God's been just taking me through. Do I trust Him? Do I trust Him when it doesn't make sense in my mind, but His thoughts are higher, His ways are higher? God, God speaks. Do I listen? Number four is the dream involves others. See, if it's really a dream of God, it's got to be bigger than us. And so what happens is they go fishing, they have this faith. They put the nets down, boom, there's so many fish, they got to call the partners together in other boats. There's something where it involves others. That's why, you know, as a ministry, we've launched partnership because we know we can't do this on our own. We need partners to come along. But in this story, there's fishermen. They come and they catch, the boats are so full that they begin to sink. See, when God puts a dream, if it's really His, we cannot do it on our own. We can't. It's bigger. See, the dream involves others. And so from that story and that, I want to launch into what I believe God's really uh, kind of saying off that tonight is, is, is it's time to possess the promise. See, it's time to possess the promise. See, God called Moses down to Egypt, but the first words he spoke to Joshua was arise. And I want to look at the life of Joshua tonight. And I, I'm struck by um, Joshua because... Uh, you know, it's funny, he said, be courageous. And, and uh, they talked about, be courageous. Somebody prayed it. I think you prayed Did you, Someone said, be courageous. I know, and Sherry mentioned it in the prayer room. But, you know, you know, God says to Joshua, be courageous like I was with Moses. <laughs> well, Moses never got to the promised land. So he thought that Joshua was like, okay, I'm going to have the courage like Moses had. Moses didn't make it. You know, it's like, okay, I don't really have a history book. I can't look at this and say, okay, this is how you get to the promised land. It's a new road. It's a new way. It's, they, they haven't been there before. And there was no GPS. There was no iPhone app. Okay, get to the promised land. I mean, you know, and so in Joshua 4, we see that they crossed the Jordan. They set up 12 stones to remember that they crossed on dry ground. It was remembering what God had done. It was powerful. It was great. God had done great things. But in Joshua 5, I want to read tonight. And uh, I know we're doing a little, little bit, of, a lot of scripture tonight, but bear with me. Um, Joshua 5, and if you could turn there, that'd be great. And I'm going to start reading. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had courage to face the Israelites. At that time the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Harloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out 
of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that had come out had been circumcised, but all those born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. So for the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he solemnly promised, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in the place, and these were the ones that Joshua circumcised. Awkward. Um, Everybody say circumcised. (laughs) They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were all healed. (laughs) That sucks. Then, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, While camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after. They ate the food from the land, which was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you... For us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does the Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Possess the promise. See, it's one thing to have a dream. It's one thing to have a plan. It's one thing to know that God's dream involves us. It's one thing to know that we're, Jesus is in our boat. He chooses us, that, that we are chosen by God. It's one thing to have faith in our lives, to believe for it. And yet, there's another thing to see the fulfillment of it. That there has to be possession of the promise. And I can be given an inheritance. I can have a bank account of a million dollars. But if I can't access the bank account, if I don't have a bank card to get the million dollars, I could starve to death with a million dollars in the bank account because I can never access it. I don't know how to to get that inheritance. I don't know what it is. And most of the generation that, uh, that the Lord called out of Egypt never entered into the promised land. They never accessed what God had planned for them. They ended up dying in the desert. To me, this is one of the saddest things that can happen. To have so much available, but to not be able to enjoy it. They, they had a land flowing of milk and honey that was promised, and yet many of them died in the desert, in the, in the wilderness. And see, God's put a dream in every person in this room. He's put a purpose, He's put a plan, and, he, and, and He's also put a plan corporately for this region, for us as a community, for resurgence, and what He wants to do. And He wants us to possess the land. He wants us to possess it. He wants you to possess the dream. Not just have the dream, have words spoken about the dream, hear great things and be encouraged, but He wants you to actually step into the land. And in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they were in slavery for 400 years. And then God set them free from slavery and, and promised them this land. So they go trekking and there's miracles that are happening. And um, Deuteronomy 6 verse 20 to 23 says, In the future, when your son asks you, this is what Moses said, What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand because our eyes... Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs, wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from where, from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. See, it's a reminder that God not only brought the people out, but he brought them out to go in. Because for 40 years... Um, for 40 years they're going to be in the wilderness. The wilderness isn't their destination. The promised land is. 
And it's a reminder that he brought us out to bring us in. That, that he, he brings us in. It, it actually should have taken 11 days, they say. It's an 11 day journey. And it ended up taking 40 years. I'm not sure if the Israelites worked for me and I was their boss, they would have been fired about a year into this thing. Maybe, maybe 20 days in. Like, okay, you're supposed to take 11 days. Uh, 40 years. Like, they wandered basically around a mountain. Like, I mean, it's just, you see that, like, they just wandered around. Like, it was, and, and God was dealing with them, and all this was going on. Like, they didn't have GPS then, you know? Like, it took a long time. And they got stuck. And they even forgot about the promised land. They, they forgot about God. They, they, they got sidetracked. I mean, it, it was a gong show. And, but you know what? In Deuteronomy, it says, go in and possess 35 times. God was reminding him, go in and possess the land. Go in and possess. Go and possess what you've already inherited. You're, already, you're given the land. I'm not saying you're going to get it. You're given the land. See, the Word of God is full of promises. And some are partaking of it, and some, but some have not seen it yet. And I believe the difference is that some go and possess what they've already inherited, and others pray for what He's already done. We can be praying, oh God, do well, He's already given us the land. He's already given it. There's a possession mentality. Go in and possess the land. We need to keep moving into what God is doing. We need to keep moving forward and saying, God, I'm taking what's mine. I'm possessing the land. I'm, I, I, Edmonton will be saved. Canada will be saved. I'm not, it's not gonna, maybe, kinda. We're possessing it in Jesus' name. We're stepping into the promise. See, Peter, an encounter with Jesus on a boat. That, that, that story there, we never really read that because if it would have all stopped there if Peter would have just gone oh that was a great encounter with Jesus but he left it all and he kept moving forward and the greatest days of Peter's life we read about him starting the church we read about him walking on I mean there's countless things that he did and we never read about the story of his calling because that's just the beginning see God's just beginning something this is just the beginning we're five years into this this thing called resurgence that God's allow us to steward and we can look back and we can say people have been healed, people have been saved, people have been stirred, dreams have ignited, we've done some great gatherings, we've went to a lot of churches, God has done amazing stuff. But if we just, if we just celebrate and stop there, if we just build our you know, five stones instead of twelve and go, wow, that was five years, yeah, let's just camp around what, what he's done for five years, then we're missing the point. It's the call to go forward. It's a marker to go, keep going, there's more. There's the same spirit that, that God birthed in us to get us here. It's gonna, we're gonna keep pressing in and believing for what's next. It may look different. It may not look like what we've been through, but, but we're just trusting God. See, with you today, God saved you. God maybe have healed you. God has put you in a great church. God is moving you forward. But, but I want to encourage you, keep moving forward. Fan into the flame, the gifting, the calling, the dream He's put in your heart. God has a purpose. God has a plan. God is saying, possess the land. There's a move on from the past too. See, the real risk is that we can be set free but not enter the promise. See, they were delivered, but they didn't enter the life of freedom. They, they were delivered, and then they stopped at that. They, see, we can focus on, you know, we've been suffering. God, you've healed me. God, you've, you've, you've done this. We, we, we've seen this. God, we've seen you heal. We've seen you. We've, we, we, we. And it focuses on us, and we miss the focus on God. We celebrate the event. We celebrate the performance. We become religious. We become, we become that, but we, we miss what God's doing. He's calling us into. And a few points that I, I really want to um, speak tonight is, is in the first one. Before I do that, though, I was just reminded of, you know, we some say, well, let's preserve the Word of God. And I recently heard Reinhard Bonnke. They said, you know, preserve the Word of God. We need to preserve the Bible. And, and he says this. He goes, to preserve the Word of God, you do that with dead things. You don't preserve something that's alive. We don't preserve the Word of God. It does to us. The fire keeps us burning. See, there's a moving forward. There's, there's, it's, it's, not, it's not a past thing. Oh, okay, the Word is the word's alive and it's life and it's calling us forward. 
Number one, possess the promise is we need, there has to be a cutting away that must happen. Circumcision. Awkward. <laughs> Welcome to Resurgence. We're talking about circumcision. <laughs> Tweet that. No, don't. <laughs> Instagram. No, no, no. That's really awkward. A generation came out of bondage, slavery, and there was a cutting away that had to happen. There was a cleansing of their hearts to step into what God had called them to do. And there was the people... See, see, I believe that really shows that there's a price to be clean and set apart. And, And there's a generation that they paid that price of Israelites to get them out of slavery. They paid that price. And tonight... You know, someone paid a price for me to be here, for you to be here. November 11th, we're going to remember soldiers that gave their lives for Canada so that we could have freedom. They they risked their lives. You know, in 1923, there was a great move of God by Charles S. Price in Edmonton, where where thousands got saved at at, at Edmonton Gardens and in the arena at the time. It was like the, the Coliseum, the Skyreach, the... The uh, Northlands, Rexall Place, and Edmonton Gardens. God moved. People prayed for a move of God. They paid a price. They gave to that. They prayed. There are churches. There's 400 some churches. And people have given their lives. They've prayed. Pioneers have come uh, out west 100 years ago and, and said we need to plant a church in Edmonton. We need to cut down trees and build a log cabin so we could have a church. I mean, there are people that have paid the price so that we can worship freely. So that we can, that we can see what God's doing today. They paid a price. See, there are thousands upon thousands that have paid a price to, to, to access God, to, to make places like this, this church, and, and, and all sorts of things. They're praying for us. They're intercessors that will never know their name. There are older people that we never know, and we honor them because they paid a price. They're even praying for us. There's, there's people that are praying for us and that we don't even know them. We don't know who they are. I know there's people that my grandmother and my grandparents used to pray for me. Constantly praying. I would call them and they would say, I'm praying, we're praying. They paid a price. And I I believe that, you know, we see, you know, um, again, even with resurgence over the last five years, there's people that have volunteered, people that have given, people that have led worship, people that have have served, people that have given time, people that have opened their churches, and, and, and just all sorts of things to serve, to pay a price so that we could be here. But we'll never go into the promise of the future and what's been paid before us. See, the Israelites... They couldn't go into the promised land fully because of what people before them prayed. Of what great churches and things have happened. Of what last the five years, oh, it's been great. But they couldn't go into the promised land until they themselves paid the price. The men of that had to be circumcised. They had to be made clean. There was a cleansliness. There was a, there was a dropping of, of, of the things. There was a, there was a coming clean. We have to pay our own price. Every generation has to pay the price. Unless everyone corporately makes a decision to pay our own price, we're never going to go where God wants us to go. There has to be, and Hebrews 12.2 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before See, in order to go to the next level, we need to cut away sin and weights. What is anchoring you down to the wilderness in this season? You know, sometimes it's sin. It could be sin. And sin is everything that's that's not of God. Sin is death. Sin, we, we need, you know, we'll die if we don't let forgiveness come in. And we, and we forgive people and we, and we get rid of sin and we repent of that. But there's also weights too. Maybe it's, maybe it's the counsel of unsaved people in our lives. Who's speaking into your life? What voices do you listen to? Are they the voices that God has put there or are they just people? And sometimes we can have really great people and good intention people. 
and they're not helping us. They're hindering us. What are the weights? What are the weights? There was in, in Judges, Judges, there was a lady named Deborah, and she called people to a battle. And there was a battle happening, and she called all the tribes, 12 tribes, two tribes that says, risk their lives. One of the tribes was Dan, and he, he, was, a, he was a shipkeeper. They had merchant ships in the tribe of Dan. And, and I can just imagine, you know, Dan was torn because he's called to come to battle. Yet he's got his shops, he's got his ships, he's got all this going on. Well, what would happen if I go to battle against the people that are attacking my people, but the people that are buying from me are actually (laughs) the people that are attacking. So I'm selling to those people. So if I go battle against them, that's not good for business. Like, the enemy's actually buying from me. So, So he doesn't go to battle. He had to live for his business. See, and Dan was... He was stayed in a ship that day of self-interest, greed, and self-love. And, you know, whom does Dan represent today? He represents, you know, the Christian who belongs to the family of God, knows the claims of God, knows the dream, knows the plan, hears the call of God, but does not respond to it. He remains in his ship shop when God wants him to go to battle. And seek first the kingdom of God. He hears the music of his tinkling cash register. The thing that God's blessed him with. The applause of the unconverted. What, what they're going to think. The, uh, the battle, the people, the, the enemy that's buying. What are they going to think? Are they still going to buy from me? And it deafens the call. It's a weight. See, some of the saddest people are those that have chosen the wrong priorities. God wants us to throw off the weights that hold us back. What's holding you back from the purposes of God? See, the closer we get to the light, the more dirt is visible. And as we worshiped for 51 hours last week, and I was there for not 51 hours, maybe less than 30, but more than 25, so somewhere in there. And, you know, as I was good for me, okay, thanks, thanks. Yeah, okay, okay, thank you. Um, I wasn't saying it to say I was there for, I got a badge, no. (laughs) That would be, Um, what I say is, when I was in worship and worshiping God, I, I started to realize that God, as the closer I get to God, the closer I worship God, God reveals things. And it's more and more I'm like, oh, I feel convicted of that. There's, there's, there's thoughts or whatever it is. And it's like, it's not, it was never a big deal before. But the closer I get to the light, I see the dirt. It's like if you take a flashlight to a white, like this resurgence thing. It's actually kind of has a, quite a bit of dirt on it if you get really close. To you, it looks beautiful. But if you get really close... You're like, oh man, somebody's greasy fingerprint from having like food and putting this up is on there, you know? And that's what happens when you're closer to God. We see the dirt and God exposes it. And he wants us to get rid of that, to get cleaner, to cut away. Number two, to possess the promise means to be possessed by Jesus. See, in verse 10, we see that they, they, after they've cleaned and, and they've cut away, they, they celebrate the Passover. And the Passover is really a festival of freedom. It's a celebration. It's actually, um, the, theologians and scholars say, it's actually um, Jesus becomes a Passover lamb later in the New Testament. And so it's actually a precursor. It's a, it's a sign of, uh, of Jesus. It's a sign of, uh, of that. It's a forerunner to what Jesus will do. And it's basically a celebration of the deliverance. It's a celebration of them being set free. And after they cut everything away, it's about Jesus. After we cut everything away, it's about Jesus. Resurgence has been great and God has done good things. But at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. Resurgence can't be bigger than Jesus. Because we, then we missed it. And we'll just shut, it's not worth it. Our life, our dream, the promise can't be bigger than Jesus. Jesus must be everything. Everything else comes second. You know, the dream of God in our lives comes second to the possession of Him. We've got to have Him. 
You know, I mean, we, you know, there's people that they stalk celebrities and stalk athletes and stalk people. Oh, well, he used this cup or, or he was there, he sat here or whatever. Would we be like that about Jesus? Like crazy, like, like I, I, I sense Jesus is here. I, oh, I want to go over here because Jesus is over here. Like, where is Jesus? I want to be so in love with Jesus. That's it. See, the greatest dream we can ever have is to be a part of His family, His salvation, to be so possessed by Jesus. We can talk about demon possession and all sorts of different possession, but could we focus on being so possessed by Jesus? Because if we're so possessed by Jesus, none of that other stuff, we don't even need to talk about it. I want Jesus. This is what I want. It can't leave our hearts. Jesus is first. Spending time with Jesus needs to be everything. See, the biggest trap is that we can look at the promise and forget who made the promise. The devil would like us to look at the promise to take our eyes off Jesus. But let us be so fixed on Jesus, we cannot lose sight of Him. See, we can fall in love with people, the promise, the land, but we cannot lose sight of Jesus. The apostles can't stop talking, Scripture says, of what they've seen and heard. Jesus did this, Jesus did that, Jesus. They, they were so Jesus. It was about Jesus. William Carey said, The greatest need for missionaries is a love for Jesus. Because the greatest love for souls comes from a love for Jesus. I want to be so possessed with the person of Jesus. Before you ever hear the word go, you must hear the word come. That's what Reinhard Bonnke said. Jesus said, come to me. See, are we in love with Jesus or the idea of Jesus? Revival is falling in love with Jesus. If we're ever going to see an awakening, it's because we put Jesus with everything. Oh, Jesus, I'm so possessed by you. Jesus, I want you. I want Jesus. Number three, to possess the promise, we need to leave the wilderness mindset. Verse 11 says, The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. See, after 40 years of doing the same thing, God doing something the same way, He providing manna for them, that certain way stopped. It changed. The, the, the way stopped. They got used to it. And they didn't even need to pray anymore or have faith for their food. They, they just, every day, 40, scholars say 4,500 tons of manna would fall from the sky. That's what they figure out how much manna to feed the Israelites. 4,500 tons. They say that would be like 10 train cars. And then on near the end of the week for the Sabbath, they would get double. So that there would be 9,000 tons of manna. Boom, coming from the sky. I mean, it probably didn't all come in like one big block. Or somebody would be like wiped out by that. There's like a big hole in the ground. But, but I mean, this all fell. This manna fell. And see, that's how God does it. God's doing something new. It's a new season. Most die because they don't know what to do when the manna ceases. Most churches, most if, 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 we're, if we don't become, okay, God, it's about you, not about what's coming, it's about you. God, we want to see you, and whatever way you're doing it, we want that. But sometimes you can get so caught in like, okay, well, this is how God works. God works like this. The manna comes. What happens is the manna stopped coming. It was a new thing. We're trying to pick up sometimes yesterday's manna. He doesn't want us to do that. See, Joshua was promised that God was with them. God was with them. See, Joshua had to break out of the wilderness mentality. He couldn't look to the past. He couldn't look to the history books. There was no reference. This was a new thing. He was going to a new place. He couldn't look to what, what, what did Moses do? Well, Moses didn't go there. And what God wants to do in our city, it's not, it's not what C.S. Price did. That was amazing. That was great, but it's going to be new. 
It's going to look different. It's going to be new. It's going to be fresh. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? God, we want what you want. See, do we have a wilderness mindset? See, sometimes we, we, our future can be determined and limited by the past or our present situation. We can run from failure. We can say, oh, well, I failed. I, how could God use me? And we, we can stay. You know, the Israelites, they, they, just, they were there for 40 years. God doesn't want us to be in the wilderness for 40 years. And, uh, you know, this manna, 4,500 tons of it. Manna was for survival. Manna was comfortable. Um, it was a status quo normality. Manna was like having fire insurance in, in salvation. You know, it's not living at the full potential. They, every person would take a nut just enough. They would just have enough manna. It would last them. Then they would need to get more manna the next day. It was like living in just, okay, meeting my needs. I'm surviving. It's all good. But the plan, God's plan wasn't just enough just for them to survive. God's plan is not just enough. He wants us to be in abundance. He Give and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be the measure given to you. See, that's God's plan. His best, His abundance. He doesn't want us in a poverty mentality or, oh, uh, it's all I got. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. So that you can pour out to others. And it's not about, uh, it's about some people say, wow, prosperity. No, it's not at all. This, not at all. It's about God blessing you so that you can be a blessing. And if you don't be a blessing, then you're missing the point. It's got to be, there's got to be the flow. We, we've, there's got to be that. It's coming out of the wilderness mentality. Number four, possess the promise. It's a position change in our hearts. See, many times we think geographic location change. Well, you know, to get into the promise, I have to like go somewhere or move somewhere or move to Bethel or move to, to uh, um, IHOP or move somewhere. God wants to do something in Edmonton. God's doing something in Edmonton. God's, God's, God's doing something in Canada. See, do we want revival in our land? Do we want Canada to be saved? Then what are we doing to see it happen? See, I, I believe we need to position ourselves to the call. And it may be stupid in the natural, but in the supernatural it's not. We have to change our, our position, our mindset. See, can I increase, can you increase your capacity for God to use you in any way? What can I give God so I can have more of you? Is it time? Is it money? Is it serving? Is it volunteering? Is it praying? See, but we are limited by our capacity. Okay, well, as much as, you know, uh, we don't have time. But like, you know, it's something. We can pray for revival. We can pray for a resurgence. We can pray for God to move in our lives. We can believe for the promise. We can pray for this. But we don't want to do the work of revival. Somebody once said revival spells work. (laughs) It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because it's like, you know what? When God starts moving and breathing, it creates work. There's people that come in that are going to be saved, that are going to not look like you look like. They're going to need help. They're going to be messy. It, 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 there's, going to be, there's going to be things that need to be served. There's, there's work that needs to be done. There, there's, there's finances that are needed. There's, there's, there's time that's spent praying. There's, there's all of that. And yet we can want revival. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want it. But are we willing to like increase our capacity to give more of ourselves to say, I'm in. I'm going to serve. I'm going to show up early. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get a part of this. And, and, and that's not just resurgence. That's at your local church. We believe at resurgence to, that everyone needs to be involved in a local church. We're not that. And so you need to be at a local church. Are you getting involved? Is there opportunities that you could serve your pastor? Maybe, maybe it's as simple as helping clean up. Maybe it's as simple as praying for him. Maybe it's as simple as, as, as little things. Setting up chairs. But what could you do? Maybe it's, maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's all sorts of things. But it starts generally small. Just starting to serve. 
God, what are you calling us to do? Resurgence. We, we, we need volunteers. We need help. We, we can't do this on our own. We need partners. We need, we, we, you know, it's like we need people to say, yes, I'm in. The whole body of Christ, we, we need to step up. See, to steward, see, there's prophetic words that have been spoken over Edmonton. I was in I was in Reading and got called out and a word about what God's doing in in Canada in our community. That was in July. As I as I prepared this message um, this week and for four days I was just like God, what is it? I just don't know like what you want me to share and what's happening. And I just I felt there has been about three or four words that people said in November God's going to really do something in this community. And, and I just have felt that and have been reminded of that. And it's like, okay, that's a great promise. But when we, how, how do we see that happen? How do we possess it? <laughs> and, and so I'm preaching this not just out of, okay, we all got to possess. This is, this is down home too. We feel this as a corporately. How do we possess it? How do we step into what God's calling us as a community? And so this afternoon, I was just wrestling, and and a, a dear friends of ours, um, of mine, have um, have a three year old daughter this week that was diagnosed with leukemia. And so I I have this on my mind from she was diagnosed yesterday, so I have this on my mind, and I'm like God praying for healing and just you know the battle of that. And I'm and I'm just saying God, like what is it that you are saying? Because I couldn't put my finger on what he wanted to do tonight. I was just like, I know God wants to just, there's something unique He's going to do tonight in His service. And uh, about 5 o'clock, I got a text message. And I was just, the presence of God, when I got this text message from a dear friend, her, her and her husband, they just said, I believe there's an awakening that's starting. There's an awakening that's starting. And I just said, you don't know how that, I just, and in this message, I'm like, yeah, I need to preach what this tonight. Because I was just like, okay, God, I need a confirmation that this is exactly what you're saying. Because it's this, ah, I just want to be right there in that sweet spot. And, and when she sent that, the presence of God just came into my house. And I was just like, okay, God, you're doing an awakening. And I'm reminded that last week at the burn, there was a business guy there that was in Kansas City in 2009. And he comes to me at the burn last week and he says... I was in Kansas City in 2009, just before a thing called, they called the awakening broke out. And he says, what I feel in the room right now as we're worshiping is that same spirit. And I'm like, wow, it's really cool. And then I kind of forgot about that until 5 o'clock today. And I believe that God wants to do something sovereign. He wants us to possess the promise. There's been words spoken over this community. There's been words spoken over Edmonton. There's been words spoken over Canada. It's time. Canada is going to be a healing to the nations. It's time. It's time. We, 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 we need to step in. We're not just been set free. We're not being just delivered to just sit in the wilderness. But there's a possession to go in and say, God, we're taking it. We're taking it. We're taking the land. We're calling for souls in this nation. Canada will be saved. We're not just going to sit by and go, we want revival. But we're going to do what we need to do to see you move. See, we need to steward what God gives. Steward means to manage, to look to after another's property. We're just stewards. We're stewards of resurgence. We're stewards of what God wants to do. We're stewards of the dream. Because it's God's dream. It's God's plan. God, let me look after it properly. Teach me what to do, how you want me to manage. <laughs> manage it. I'm managing the project for you, God. Because when we manage God's project, it takes the pressure off us. It's not about our performance. Oh, I gotta. We're just we're just stewarding what God is doing. We're just being the hands and feet, but God is responsible to do it. And there's a resting in that. See, He said to Joshua, "Go and plant your own corn, dig your own wells." He does things differently in the promised land. See. He's given many in this room talents, work ethic, entrepreneurial skills. And so we don't need to be praying for things from the sky, for food to come. He taps into what He put inside of us. 
He put those entrepreneurial skills. He put work ethic inside of us. He put the ability to create things. God put it there to, for us to possess the land. See, many will sit in the prayer closet praying for what God's already done. Just be. Be who God's called you to be. You're a light. You don't have to pray to be a light. You don't have to work up a sweat to be a light. You don't have to jump up and down and worship five hours to be a light. We're a light. We are a light. When we walk in darkness, we are light. It doesn't go out. It's with us. The very resurrected power of Jesus Christ lives inside of us. Everything that's dead around you, speak to it. Breathe on it. Ezekiel breathed on some dead bones. Speak life into it. So he did that. What happened? Maybe the dream is dead. Speak into it. Speak life. Speak the resurrected power. Maybe you're like, I don't even have a dream. What are you talking about? Speak the life. God will give you a dream. Possessing the promise means be who you are. The real you that Christ called you to be. I want to invite the worship team to come and and um, you know the final thing is that the result of it is we read that Joshua he um, the angel of the Lord came and it said that he took his sandals off for he was standing on holy ground and he fell face down see when we possess the promise when we enter the promise the result is the glory of God comes when we cut away things, when we get rid of the wilderness mindset, when we are being so possessed by Jesus, and we change the position of our hearts, God's glory comes. And he fell face down. He didn't know how he's going to get into Jericho. He didn't know how the heck am I going to lead these people into Jericho. Like it's impossible to take a city, God. Like How? And it could have been all these worries and all these things and all these things on his mind, but he fell face down. And the glory of God came. And what happened is they took the city and the story goes on. They took the land. The glory of God came. And uh, tonight I'm, I'm just hungry for him. I'm just hungry for him. I just want you to close your eyes tonight. And uh, Jesus. Just focus on Him tonight. Turn your eyes towards Jesus tonight. Jesus, we just want you. Jesus, we want to be so possessed by you. Forgive us for when we've looked at other things or looked at the dream, looked at the dream more than we've looked at you. Put our eyes on the promise more than we've put it on you. Jesus, our gaze is on you tonight. Jesus, we want you. We're so desperate for you tonight. Jesus. 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 If you're here tonight and uh, with every eye closed and every head bowed, and you, you need to, uh, you need to, you don't have Jesus in your boat tonight. You don't know Jesus, or maybe you need to come back to Him. And if it were to all end tonight, you wouldn't know that Jesus is your Savior. I'm just going to ask you to stand if that's you. If you say, tonight, I need Jesus. I need Him to come into my life.
tonight go, there's, there's things I need to cut away. There's things that I just, I need to lay off the sin. I need to let it loose. I need to cut away from that. I need to cut it off. I need to cut off the weights that hold me back, the anchors that have held me. I want you to stand too. And just as you do that, just just start laying it, just start praying, just start repenting to God, saying, God, this is what I'm laying down. I'm laying this, I'm laying that, I'm laying this mindset, I'm laying this 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 idea, I'm laying this friendship that, that I know I just all of that. Any weight, any sin, anything that oh, so easily entangles us. Just stand up. we just pray for every person standing. God, for the sin, for weight, for whatever it is, whether it's mindset or things that we've believed or, or, or things that we've done, we just lay them down now. And we ask you to cut them away. We want to pay the price. We want to, to lay that down, to cut away everything. God, you paid the price on the cross. You sent your son so now all we need to do is surrender to you. And God, we surrender. We surrender the sin. We surrender the weight. We surrender everything that is hindering us from possessing the promise. We lay it down now. We repent. We, we don't just lay it down. We change direction. We walk a different way. God, help us to walk the different way. Help us to, to not go back to the things that easily entangle us, that, that keep us bound, that keep us in bondage. God, set us free. Deliver us. God, come and and, and let us know you, the deliverer. Tonight, Jesus, we thank you. You can be seated sit down if you're standing yeah Jesus Jesus shut our eyes. I, I just feel God saying a few things tonight and I feel like um, yeah yeah God help us to possess the land, possess the promise Pastor Jackson, I just, I feel that uh, the Lord's saying that uh, um, you're stepping into a new season. It's a new season. And it's a season that you've cried for. And it's like you even, that there is, there is, there is, there is a leaving of the old and there's a, like a new season. And yet you've been in that, but it's even like another, there's another level to that. And I just really sense that God's just bringing you into that stuff that there's, there's things that you've like prayed for and you've like, yeah, I want, but it's like in times it's even died at times. And it's like God's resurrecting some of those dreams and I just call them forth. And, and I know, I don't think joy's in the room, but joy has the voice a prophetic voice 
And I know she maybe teaches a little bit, but she, I remember 10 years ago, she had a voice, the prophetic voice, and she would share. And I remember those times, and and you need to call that. There's a calling there where she is going to release that voice here, but it's going to look in a different package, in a different wineskin, in a different, and you know what I'm talking about, but it's, but it's, there's, there's a release of that. And you, they, God has coupled you together to release that. There's word in you. There's power to preach. But there's a word of the prophetic. And there's going to be that coming together in a greater stereo effect that I believe that is really going to see and usher that this church into its new season. And so, God, we pray now for the church of South Edmonton. God, I thank you that you have placed... Jackson here, that you've given him everything. And it's game day for Jackson. It's his moment that you've made for him. And we call it forth. We call forth the dream. We call forth the possession of the land. That God, he would possess this area for you. That Jesus, you would come and you would move in this community. And people would be saved in Jesus' name. And from this pulpit, that people would be healed. And people would be set free. And God, we pray for chairs to be filled. We pray for your moving of your spirit in a supernatural way. God, we pray for everything that you put in Jackson. We call it forth. We call forth those words that have been spoken in past seasons. We call forth that. We call forth what's been sitting on the shelf and we call it to life in Jesus' name. Yeah, Jesus. 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 Uh, David. Roslyn, are you here still? Yeah. Hey, man, I just, I really feel like the Lord's saying that um, there's a, you shared your story, and, and I just, as I was worshiping tonight, I just really feel God saying, there's a call on you. There's a call on you to, to, to be someone that promotes Jesus. That you and your past have promoted a lot of other things, but there's gonna, there's a call to to reach people there is a there is a it may may look in different ways with business and all that but there's also there's a ministry call there's a ministry call to evangelize to speak the truth and to see god move through you and i know you maybe have not had someone say this publicly and all that but i just want to call that out of you and encourage you that god is doing something in the season and it may take time and it's going to take but but just know that there god is doing something good and god has brought you set you out delivered you but not so that you'd be in the wilderness he's calling you into that promise and there is a promise there is a dream there is a purpose and so i just i just speak that over you yeah so god i just pray for david i pray you reveal what that looks like god it wouldn't it wouldn't look just what he just that we would in our man eyes we wouldn't look at that but we'd look at god what are you saying what are you speaking and god would you reveal that dream would you reveal the promise would you bring it out of him in jesus name really feel God's just um, he wants to encourage you you have been faithful you've been faithful you have you have been faithful for years sending his name in, in radio media and all sorts of things and you've been faithful and I feel like God is saying you have been faithful he trusts you and, that, and there's more and I sense it's like a season of more and I sense he's going to really he's going to fill you and he's going to replenish your spirit he's going to replenish you together but it's it's to give out there's more and there's God's going to give you even bigger dreams and bigger things and bigger bigger things to carry because you've been faithful and you've been stewards of what he's given you now and there's more promises and there's more dreams and so God I pray for that now I pray that they would together in stereo hear you that they would know together what you're calling and what the dream is and I see it I see other countries even and and there's just there's there's opportunity but God let it be the right opportunity God I speak for wisdom to know what is right and what's not right to know when to go and when not to go to know when to expand and when to hold And God, we just ask for that supernatural wisdom. God, I thank you that they have been faithful. They have been loyal. And God, I thank you now you are going to just pray increase and more into their ministry, into their lives, into their family. In Jesus' name.
why don't we just stand? And um, I, I, I don't have a, a way on how to respond tonight other than we're going to open up the altars here. And I just want Jesus. I just want Jesus. I want God to move in our city. I want an awakening. I want to take the land. Yes. And I invite you to join yes. me. The altars are open. If that's what you want, just come. I'm gonna reach out and touch it.